It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Homelessness. I-, I know we talk about homelessness at least once a week. Because that is such a uh, massive problem. It is uh, something that affects all of us. We see it all the time, even those who are not. I mean, how many of us are homeless out there? I talked to some on Handle on the Law. But for the most part, we're not, but we see it. It's in our faces constantly. We're reminded of it. Uh, you know, Our heart goes out to a lot of the homeless. And in the meantime, also, we're a little unhappy about these encampments, about the trash, uh, about uh, you know the defacing of uh, you know public spaces, uh, getting in the way. You can't run them over, for example, if they're on the street. Uh, there's a, a lot wrong here. So uh, it's always on top of mind uh, here, especially in Southern California, where we are the homeless capital of the United States. No surprise there. So there is uh, well, I mean, let me put it this way: uh, there's a partial settlement of a two-year-old lawsuit over homelessness that just happened. And uh, it's with the city and the county and a bunch of agencies that sued uh, the city and the county. And uh, under this settlement, the city planned uh, pledged to create housing, permanent or uh, interim, for 60 percent of the unsheltered homeless population in the city of Los Angeles. Uh, Everybody was on board. The city. okay, this is terrific. Uh, The lawyers representing the lead group, L.A. Alliance for Human Rights, filed the lawsuit They endorsed the agreement. You know who didn't? L.A. County. They're now out of it. Wait a minute. L.A. County and the city and these groups all work together to create this program. And now L.A. County says we want new part of it. Now, here's why. Uh, They bashed the county bashed this part of the settlement saying, here's what's going on. L.A. City is effectively dumping responsibility for thousands of severely ill homeless people onto the county. No new housing that's already that hasn't already been committed. And the responsibility now moves over to the county for people that are most urgently in need of help. Let me explain to you what what's going on. City officials are saying the deal lays out right there what the city can and cannot do. And it sets goals to make sure that uh, the housing and the services continue to grow. Interim housing, et cetera. I mean, it's all laid out. However. Uh, the dispute now is defining severely ill people. And here's the problem. Housing is the city's purview. Services are the county's purview. And in certain cases, the twain do not meet. So the tentative deal, uh, which uh, the city council, which it has approved, the federal judge handling the case must approve, probably, requires the city to open up enough beds over the next five years to house 60% of the unsheltered population. Okay. And so the city says, all right, we've got to put up 14,000 new beds to meet that 60% target. And that is going to allow us to enforce the anti-camping measures finally. But, And here is the problem. 
The language uh, includes only people who can reasonably be assisted by the city. They don't have serious mental illness, not chronically homeless, don't have substance use disorder or chronic physical illness. So here is what the city of uh, Los Angeles is saying. We're doing our share, but what we can't do is those who really need the help. People who are uh, have severe drug addiction issues, severely mentally ill, that's not what we do. We don't provide those services. That's the county. And the county is saying, but wait a minute, you're supposed to provide 60% for all the homeless. And the city is saying, oh, no, you look at the language, you look at the law, you look at the agreement. We don't do services here in the city. We don't have social workers the way the county does. I don't think they have any social workers, actually. It's a county function. We don't run hospital beds. The county does. We're not clinicians. The county is. And so uh, that type of housing, uh, the city says, that's the responsibility of the county. Because part and parcel of dealing with the homeless that are that ill, that addicted, that becomes a not homelessness issue per se, but it becomes a medical issue that the county has to deal with. And part of that is giving them a place to stay. That's the problem. That's where they're screaming at each other. And man, we're talking about a ton of money and a federal court order that the city has to deal with. And the county is going, wait a minute, all of a sudden, it derails all of our plans, and now we, and they're figuring five to 6,000 beds, but dealing with severely uh, disabled people. And uh, it's now, and this is, these, these two entities, the county and the city, were in lockstep. I mean, everybody was on the same side. Boy, not anymore. And this housing thing, I mean, the homeless situation, there's no good answer. I've said that over and over again, and getting out of it is going to take years, and it's going to be all incremental. Workplace. Boy, we talk about that all the time. And I have mentioned that time and time again, uh, that uh, this whole new model of working, and it was on its way anyway, and then COVID just turbocharged the whole thing. And that is, how much do you work at home, and how much do you work at work? Uh, And we know the reasons why, because we now have technology where you can work any place. I mean, one of my dreams is uh, at some point, let's say I'm no longer doing morning drive, and I'll probably keep on doing handle on the law for the rest of my life, at least. And at some point, I'm going to not be here in the morning. I don't know how many years down the road, but so what do I do? You know what? I can go any place. I mean, we can broadcast any place. Can you imagine taking a radio station anywhere you want to? It's a suitcase. And you go on the internet and you broadcast. And so when you're talking about working, it's a laptop. That's it. You've got your entire office on a laptop. All you need is an internet connection. And there is the new world. So now uh, we know that at-home working uh, has changed everything. COVID had to do it. And now it's up in the air. Do people want to do it? And we know so far that the choice amongst the vast majority of workers, and even management, the companies, is a hybrid model. Part work at home, part work at the office, how many days. And here's the problem. There's no model yet. Employers is trying to figure this out. 
I mean, they don't know. I mean, and they're putting big people on it, as you can imagine. You got a company like Google or Amazon, and you're talking about hundreds of thousands of employees. It'd be kind of nice to figure out exactly where that sweet spot is. How many days at home? Uh, where is that sweet spot? Where's the maximum efficiency? And no one really knows yet. So uh, it's different company by company, as you would expect. The bigger companies tend to let more people work at home. Uh, the ones that are more high techy, and that's logical, they tend to work at home. I mean, if you're sitting there on a computer and you're doing some high tech work or bookkeeping or whatever, uh, and there's no reason to do it in the office. However, uh, let's go back to the high tech work. Why is it that people that do games and coding and uh, creating programs, why should they be at uh, a workplace when they can do it at home? Well, part of those jobs is collaboration. That's part of the teamwork. You throw ideas at each other. When we were broadcasting at home and we couldn't come in in the middle of COVID and we still had to put on a show, so I was at a different place. Everybody was at a different place. What we didn't have is the camaraderie, camaraderie, the camaraderie that uh, you you basically need to put on a show. I talked to Alex between the breaks. Uh, I run in and uh, run into uh, Jennifer between the breaks, and we talk and we throw ideas back and forth. And there's just that human connection uh, that you need. Not necessarily liking people, because it's uh, I have no problem working with people. Uh, talking, collaborating, and I still hate everybody. So that works out. But when you talk about the kind of jobs where you really have to throw ideas and have to be next to each other and just it's that kind of environment, how do you do that at home? You don't. So you try to figure out, and these are what the companies are doing, they're trying to figure out where what, what works and what doesn't work. And uh, there are people out there, and they also have taken into account uh, folks uh, and what they want to do. Well, uh, I want to work at home. Why? Because I like the hours. Because I basically can determine, especially if I'm on a project basis, I can work two hours here. Then I can work four hours there. I can pick up my kids from school. But at the same time, the company said we have no control So a lot of companies want, here are the hours, and you check in, and we want you on the computer. And again, no one really knows what works and what doesn't work. So um, average office population. Now we're looking at the studies. Uh, The average office population, that is people going back to work in the office uh, in the country's largest metro areas, that's been up dramatically since COVID, uh, of course, is starting to wane. However, COVID is coming back. Has it changed anything? Not yet. Not yet. And uh, this is a company keeps track of this. Castle System provides card key entry systems. So when I come into the studio, I put my card key up on the little reader, and they know exactly when I'm coming in. And they know exactly when I'm leaving. And unfortunately, because of the security systems here and the cameras every place, they know exactly what I'm stealing. Uh, I don't worry about paper cups and uh, uh, plates and uh, plastic cutlery at my house at all. Uh, I just take it with me. Did I just admit that? Okay, I, I, I don't. That was a joke. I wasn't serious about that. 
Uh, office leasing, and here's one. During all of this, and this is according to the real estate people, office leasing throughout this period has actually been fairly steady uh, in the first quarter. There's been a net gain, and I thought this would never happen. There's been a net gain of uh, 500,000 square feet of lease space in Los Angeles County. So let me tell you what's happening here. Here, they're cutting down dramatically. You've heard virtually every talk show uh, program here bitch and moan about now we're all in cubicles. Our offices have disappeared because the company, like many companies, are downsizing its footprint. They're going to say, okay, we have X number of people, and instead of having, let's say, 40,000 square feet, we can do the same job with 20,000 square feet, and that's exactly what's happening here, which means office space is being given up, which means I no longer have an office or any one of us have an office, which means I get to share my cubicle. We're double bunking. And you know who I share mine with? Tim Conway Jr. Whoopee. I think Alex, uh, I don't know if she has her own cubicle or not. Because that now, now you're on top of the heap when you have your own cubicle. You ready for this? It used to be the big corner office with the great view. Now it's your own cubicle that you don't have to share with anybody. What does that tell you where life has gone? And, and it's really, we're not alone here. So as we talk about offices uh, diminishing, uh, lowering their footprint... You look at uh, CBRE, uh, the largest office uh, leasing company uh, basically in the country. They're saying in L.A. County there has been a net gain. Now, you think that'd be uh, counterintuitive? It is completely counterintuitive, but that seems to be happening. We got to study that one, too. What does that mean? And... When you talk about the different companies, and here's something else they're figuring out, and this makes sense. Smaller tenants have been less aggressive about pulling employees back to work. Uh, The biggest tenants uh, are the ones that are saying, you got to come back to work. You have to come back to work now. We want three days a week. Here's the negotiations. We want three days a week in the office. No, I want two days a week. And then they have to figure out what's going on. Again, our sales team. Now, they've always had cubicles. Uh, Now, because of the diminished footprint, uh, they sit cross-legged on uh, the floor, and they're given floor space where they can sit. Even their cubicles are being diminished in size. Have you seen that, Jen? It's not that bad. Uh, it's pretty bad. I you just, now get four square feet of uh, uh, of your, quote, office space on the carpet. You know what makes me feel bad, though, is when you normally went into the sales department before, it was so quiet, you know, and they were just kind of working away, whatever. Now they have a newsroom, and they have all of us hosts and producers in there. And we are loud. Even at our quietest, we are loud. No, we're not. <laughs> uh, yesterday, uh, Florida... Orlando, Governor DeSantis, Walt Disney, Disney World. Uh, It's uh, what a mess going on. Uh, ABC News correspondent Jim Ryan uh, is with us, as he usually is. Uh, Jim, uh, thanks for joining us again. How are you? Uh, Good. Uh, Now, uh, this is huge news. I'm going to just really quickly set it up. Uh, Disney. Uh, Disney World, that whole area in Orlando, is its own government. It was set up originally when uh, it, Disney opened up. That's the, uh, I think, Reedy Creek, uh, uh, whatever, development company. And what uh, the state is doing is, is getting 
pulling back and saying you're no longer your own government. And why? Well, that's the politics, and there are questions about taxes and what happens, and I'm going to throw it over to you, Jim. Uh, the issues, political, uh, financial, what's going on? Yeah, it's all of that and more. It's social. It, it's a little bit of everything, and it's it's very political. Uh, it's all as a result of House Bill 1557, which sailed through the Florida legislature, was already signed by Governor Ron DeSantis. It limits early education teachings on sexual orientation, gender identity, these kinds of things in elementary school. Disney, by the way, which is the parent to ABC News, but also owns the theme park out there and the one in California, naturally. Uh, Disney uh, at that park spoke out in opposition to that House Bill 1557. And for that, the legislature decided it needed to do something in retaliation, as it were. You know, they, they kept using the expression, well, Disney has kicked the hornet's nest. Somebody else said they poked the bear. There have been different ex- expressions, but all of it comes back down to Disney speaking out against uh, this piece of legislation that that also sailed through the uh, the, the legislature. So, yeah, the, uh, the what they intend to do then is to strip uh, the park of its district uh, status. In 1967, the Reedy Creek Improvement District was formed so that Disney would be governing itself, it would be paying its own taxes, it would be building its own infrastructure, and it wouldn't rely on tax dollars to do any of that. If the Reedy Creek District goes away, suddenly the taxpayers in Orange and Osceola counties of Florida will be left holding the bag. Yeah, they'll get the benefit of of uh, having this gigantic taxing uh, generator there, but they'll also have the liability that goes with it, about a billion dollars in in uh, bonds that um, Disney is selling. So that's uh, it, you're right. It's political, it's financial, and it's, uh, it's complicated. So, uh, first of all, um, legally, and we've talked about this with Wayne before, uh, of course, the first thing Disney is doing is filing a lawsuit uh, to undo the bill. That's, uh, has it already been signed by the governor, or is that going to happen today? Probably today, maybe okay. next week sometime. All right, so the governor is going to sign it because the has pushed for it. Yeah. And so now the argument is going to be, even though certainly the legislature has the right to establish or remove uh, taxing districts or municipalities, this is so clearly retaliatory on its face, uh, even to the point where uh, the bill it says says this is retaliatory. I mean, it's that blatant. So uh, what do the pundits say? Is this thing going to fly based on a lawsuit? Well, I mean, you shouldn't be surprised that there'd be lawsuits filed. Everybody has attorneys lined up and ready to go now. The counties that are involved undoubtedly will have uh, laws, will have uh, their attorneys. Disney, the state of Florida, they're all going to meet in court and try to hash this out. If it does make its way through and if it stands, then on June 1st of next year, the Reedy Creek Improvement District will go away. Same holds true for five other districts. You know, there there are over 100 of these improvement districts around uh, Florida. It's it's a good way for an independent agency, an entity or something, a company then to run itself and to raise its own infrastructure, create its own stuff. Um, But those five others may have something to say about it as well. Sure. They're probably not happy to see this, uh, to be caught in this political uh, brouhaha. But, uh, you know, so uh, will it happen? I I would say probably not, but I'm not a betting Okay. Well, let me ask you this. If looking at the numbers, because you've looked at this a little bit more carefully than uh, I have. And that is, uh, financially, who's going to win on this one? Assuming this goes through, does Disney lose big money or the taxpayers uh, lose or win? Which side well, of the coin is that? 
the taxpayers are going to lose. I don't think Disney is going to lose anything. You know, the lines are still going to be down the sidewalk and out into the parking lot for people coming in and, and doing what they do at Disney. Uh, by the way, park visitors, if, in fact, the improvement district goes away, they won't, they won't notice any difference at all. Okay. You know, the, the, the fire departments on the park will still run. The lo- roads will still be there. The toilets will flush, and all the services will still be in place. But the taxpayers in Osceola and Orange County will be left holding a billion dollars in debt. Yeah, and that lovely. means for each household, about $2,800 every year. That's a chunk. Higher tax. That's a chunk. Jim, thank you. I know you have yep. a bunch of hits going on. Uh, take care. So getting closer to home. Actually, this is uh, not getting closer to home. This is all over the world. And that is uh, the issue of inflation. And at this point, we're looking at inflation being out of control. Well, you know, maybe not. Uh, Inflation, of course, the increase in the cost of insert name of anything, everything here. And usually uh, there are certain items that are more inflationary than others. For example, let's say uh, if gasoline prices were at a reasonable level, that's going to bring down inflation pretty dramatically because uh, gasoline is something we all buy and buy a lot of it. Uh, Housing has gone so crazy. You take that out of the equation. uh, Okay, not as bad. Food, more difficult to deal with. Uh, but uh, there are certain ends around. You can eat cheaper food. Uh, you don't have to eat the expensive cuts. You don't have to go out to restaurants as much. So it looks like uh, prices may be stabilizing. Uh, and this is uh, what state, state economists are saying, that the big price increases uh, are likely to ease in California. Uh, The assistant professor of economics at Cal State University, Sacramento, who uh, consults on on a lot of this, says all the big increases are coming from certain sectors. Energy, a huge driver, of course, uh, recent price spikes. But look at the cost of gasoline. Not only is it stabilized, it's actually gone down 15 or 20 cents. Now, it's still ridiculously high, but... Going down or saying stable is certainly better than it was doing a couple of weeks ago or a month ago when we were reporting two, three, five percent increases per gallon per day. I remember uh, Jen was reporting on this stuff and I I was floored and I go, that's impossible. You mean this week, right? It's gone up five percent. And Jen said, oh, no, 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 no. That's since yesterday. It's gone up five cents. And I'm going, come on. Uh, No, it's absolutely true. But look what is happening. Supply chains are slowly recovering. Now, they just took a little bit of a blip. Shanghai shut down completely. uh, But everything else is opening up, and it was going to, just dealing with it. Uh, Demand for the big ticket items, houses, cars, which are out of control, they're going to ease. The demand is going to ease. Why? Because interest rates are climbing and have climbed. Mortgage rates have doubled, doubled in the last month. You could have gotten a mortgage for two and a half, two and three quarters percent. Now it's over 5% and still climbing. Well, what does that do? Ooh, that cuts down the demand pretty pretty quickly. Because you had people that were be, based on very low mortgage rates were able to buy a home, let's say 800000 or a million dollars, that they could never, ever afford to buy. Well, if the money is effectively free, 2%, 2.5% money, uh, you're going to be able to buy a lot more. Well, those days are gone, which means the demand is going down, which means that brings down inflation. That's why we talk about uh, interest rates climbing, uh, inflation going up, and prices dropping. So other than crude oil, 
because we don't know about that. And I'll tell you about that in a minute because that one is sort of up in the air. Uh, the longer-term outlook for lower inflation, the economists are saying, is actually bullish. Or actually can see uh, that it's not ending now, but at the end of the year, beginning of next year. The problem is looking at inflation is highly unpredictable. And the other thing we are not going to see, this one is true, is the inflation, the non-existent inflation rate of the 2010s, of the last 10 years, 12 years, where inflation was virtually zero. That's what we're not going to see again. And we're already seeing uh, evidence of consumer resistance to higher pricing. People are buying smaller quantities. This is according to the president of a consulting firm here in Los Angeles, very known uh, uh, consulting firm. Uh, they're buying smaller quantities, people switching to cheaper brands. And, uh, and here is something that economists, economists look at as a uh, real measure of inflation in the economy. The tips that people li- leave in restaurants, those are going down. And what does that mean in the big picture? That means the tips are going down because there's sort of a mixed review. That means it's either good for the economy, bad for the economy, not particularly good for the uh, service staff. You know, I've just changed the way I tip, not in terms of, of money. I'm a, I'm a pretty good tipper. I mean, 20, 25 percent. And if it's a small bill, I'll leave 30 uh, percent. I mean, you go to norms, you can't spend 60 bucks a head. I've tried, but you can't. And I uh, leave cash now all the time. I just don't put it on the credit card anymore. Uh, because uh, why? Because the uh, wait staff, uh, the waitresses, uh, the female and male wait, uh, waitresses uh, love cash. And why do they do that? Because they don't want to tell the government they've gotten the money and actually commit tax fraud. And so when you leave cash, you know that you are actually complicit in tax fraud. I just want to let you know that. Uh, yeah, Jennifer just gave me the thumbs up. That you are guilty of screwing the government out of tax money that the government should have. So uh, gasoline is the trickiest uh, is is the trickiest inflationary uh, point of interest. Uh, why? Because there are so many factors that we have nothing to do with. Uh, you know, you have the Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, so how do countries compensate for the supplies choked off? Uh, California, are we going to provide rebates? Are we going to reduce taxes because? Uh, Gasoline is here in California way, way, way above any, any place else that's sold in the United States, even higher than, than in Hawaii where they have to truck it in, which is no small deal trucking gasoline into Hawaii. And so you think it'd be more expensive. Historically, it was. Uh, California beats it. Uh, so how about domestic production? Uh, will the U.S. government allow leasing and opening up uh, areas for uh, for oil uh, discoveries or oil pumping, supply and demand. Well, the supply bottleneck, as I said, those are easing. And so the shortage of goods are going to increase. Uh, the shortage is going to change into hopefully surplus, but the shortages are not going to be as bad. Uh, prices are going to go down. Inflation is up. Actually, it's not too bad for us when you look at the big picture. Really isn't. Until next week when I do another story of how your life's going to fall apart. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.